spookiest time of the year, there are a few guidelines all ghosts and goblins should follow. Always stay on sidewalks. Never go to a stranger's house. And never go out alone. No more books, no more teachers' dirty looks. The students at Harrington High have always suspected their teachers were from another planet. Is this going to be on the test? This is the test. Welcome back to 31 for 31. It is October 7th. We are on our seventh episode, or our 11th episode. Boom. Lucky number. Which takes us back to the classroom with 1998's Guilty Pleasure. The faculty. I have a clear conscience. I have no shame whatsoever in adoring this iconically 90s movie about aliens, about teenage angst, and fighting back against the system. Designer drugs. Yeah, des- <laughs> tweaking. And designer denim. Ohio. Creepy sniffs in the closet, which yeah. I do want to spend some time on. Pre Daily um, Show, John Stewart. Yeah, yeah, pre-Daily Show, John Stewart. There is a lot to absorb in this film, and I'm excited to dive in. And it so, all yes. starts with a noise version of Pink Floyd's Another Prick in the Wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the faculty, which if you haven't seen, stop and watch it, is... Yeah, get a- out We here. haven't suggested that for any of the other films, but Jamie, <laughs> Jamie is just really... Jamie assumes that we're going to get random listeners because of the power of the faculty. <laughs> They're going to be like, oh... I want to hop on this podcast. I was just oh, searching the faculty, the faculty yeah, 1998 yeah. podcast and it brought me here. So glad to have you with us on the seventh day. In a time honored tradition of just taking tired genres and being like, well, let's set it in high school and see what happens. You know, you have 10 things I hate about you for Shakespeare. You got brick for film noir. This is basically just invasion of the body snatchers in a high school, which Makes a lot of sense, honestly, like in terms of the thematic subtext of this. It's kids that are all outcasts in a sense. And it makes sense that that you would do a body snatcher tale in high school. And a very efficient method by the aliens, as we see later (laughs) on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Apparently, they did not count on drugs being their downfall. But I guess that's better than water being their downfall. So so few. And are they even designer? They're mostly yeah. caffeine. Off-brand, off-brand. It's not really sure what they are, and it makes you super high, even though, yeah, he says it's like caffeine pills. <laughs> and he's got way too Unclear. much equipment. He's got like a Walter White setup. Yeah, we'll get into we'll get into some of these oddly like, you know, they are, these aren't even archetype characters. These are like hypertype characters <laughs> to the point of like ridiculousness. But it's kind of like the Breakfast Club, except they're going not. in a particular lane and then driving the entire length of the United States <laughs> down that lane <laughs> for certain people. It's basically Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of meets Scream, kind of meets Breakfast Club sort of vibe. Plus the thing. Plus the thing, yeah, it's, I mean, it's drawing and certainly influenced by a lot of like sci-fi classics and kind of pokes fun at them as well. This is the the height of the so-called like CW horror franchises that were coming out. Kevin Williamson wrote Scream, which came out a few years earlier and blew the doors off 
on horror in general. People were just going crazy for it. You know, he's credited as the screenwriter in this film, but... Screaming for it, even. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wanted to pause the episode for that. <laughs> he, he is credited as the screenwriter, but apparently this was written many years before. It was optioned. It was like sitting on a shelf. And then when Scream was such a hit, they were just like, all right, like, what, do we, what do we got hanging around? And he basically like rewrote this and made it hip for the audiences and cast a few people from the CW. You know, I told Jamie last week, I was like, I, I remember Usher having a really solid performance in this. And Jamie was like, so you don't remember the movie that well? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. I did not. You know, he's yeah. uh, I had a, he's in I not seen this since I feel like it came out. He has an implied third billing from the uh, f- from the poster. And that's insulting to uh, to Elijah Wood and others. But, you know, yeah, he's <laughs> in the movie. Fair, I, to be fair, I think the poster messes up the billing pretty hard and doesn't show the absolute winglets of Josh Arnett's hair, which is you know, also a shame because I had to turn that down. I think borrows some key artwork from Independence Day, like the explosion of the White House, which does not take place in this movie. I think that, you know, they know what they're drafting. You know, throughout the movie, like, they just basically introduce a sci-fi fan character to just cipher everything for us to be like, oh, yeah, you know, you got your body snatches, you got your this, you got your that. And it's like, then why don't you know how to deal with these situations? <laughs> like you've yeah. re- They're like, you've read Robert Heinlein, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, th- that's cool. But, uh, you know, I don't know how to deal with this now or like wrap my head around it. I mean, um, I was sitting there like, I have read those books. This doesn't necessarily make sense. But no, I think that this one is um, definitely something that it makes sense. I, we were saying before that Robert Rodriguez is involved. It's got camp elements that make it extra fun and zingy, but they're not too much that you're having a machine gun as a leg. So I feel like it. Get, I forgive it everything. Everything that it does that's over the limit, I just only see as fun and necessary. I... I, I Name a choice in this movie you'd change I, other than casting Usher. It needed like Matthew Lillard. Like it needed, <laughs> it kind of needed that going for the Oscar character actor performance to really take it over the top for when, me. When I hear Oscar, <laughs> I think I, I you got to go Lillard, you know, <laughs> Monsters just, Unleashed, like, you know, he's great in Twin Peaks, I He's great in everything, and in Scream is an incredible performance by him. And I feel like it's kind of missing that energy. You need the go for broke guy. It needs the go for broke guy. I mean, but to talk about the cast that is in this movie, I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of the kids. I mean, obviously, Elijah Wood, Jordana Brewster, who is in like all the Fast and Furious movies, Clea Duvall, who is awesome and everything. You have to to qualify who they are in The Breakfast Club as you go. I think. I think that's Elijah right. Wood is, you know, the brain character. He's yeah, he's Michael Anthony Michael Hall, except a little creepier. Introduced to a flagpole in the beginning. Introduced to a flagpole. Yeah, yeah. classic high school. Has that ever happened? I hope not. It's like so <laughs> like a, that yeah. it's it's rare that he's not murdered on a given occasion. <laughs> I'm surprised there wasn't a swirly in this movie. Oh, that would have been a good okay. That was almost like they couldn't do the swirly. Like, oh, that that's too cliche. I guess we'll do the crotch to the flagpole. <laughs> it feels like it's out of a musical. Speaking of which, like, I mean, yeah, we're we're introduced to these characters in a very retro freeze frame title card. Sort of elegantly introduces us to yes, uh, Elijah Wood's character, whose name is Casey. 
And then Jordana Brewster is Delilah. And I guess she's basically... She's the Molly Ringwald. She, yeah, she's definitely yeah. Molly Ringwald, except with like the ambition of... Betty Cooper in the new uh, Riverdales, where she's got to <laughs> crack the big scoop on like, what's at lunch this week? You know, it's a weird mix of uh, urgencies. Clea Duvall or Clea? It's Clea? Let's go with Clea. Are we making a decision? She's our first. We're, we're going to, you know, Miss, Miss Duvall. Is... I'll have to check the other faculty podcast to see how they said it. <laughs> yeah. Stokely or Stokes. She's sort of the basket case character. She's the Ali Sheedy, for sure. Yeah, for Goth sure. Goth Ali Sheedy. For sure. And he basically has the same character arc. of. <laughs> yeah, exactly the same. <laughs> we will get to at the end as well. Because that's where I think the Breakfast Club things really happen. But with I think there's an interesting twist on that. Then you have the new student, Mary Beth, who, as we learn, is, of course, the alien queen. I've seen this movie so many times. I don't remember when I first saw it. I don't remember if I was surprised at that or not. You guys remember being like, oh, it was a shocker. Was it just like, oh, yeah, of course, it's the new student. (laughs) I don't know. She's not. She doesn't have a compatriot in the breakfast club. So I feel like it's an obvious, you know, like, I don't know. I, I was surprised. And this is the second time I've seen it. And I was like, almost surprised again. Like, I thought for such a long time it was who's the older woman character. I mean, they give her a few shots where they're kind of leading you that way. They get they do have a cheat with the the kind of the thing blood test scene is you know, where where they're testing later yeah. on. It's kind of shot around where. But there's a couple of shots even in the opening. The uh, what's what's that actress's name? But she she's outside the door and, and like does the stabbing. And you're like, oh, wait, so maybe she and Piper Laurie. Oh, yeah. yeah maybe yeah. Piper Laurie infected, you know, T-1000. And now he's <laughs> he's going after everyone else. So she might be the the head the mother. The queen. One. Yeah. 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 I feel we'll, like it does a good enough job. I feel like, yeah. uh, you know, because she also sends that same teacher on after them in the gym later on. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she's the leader. And then and then there's that little switch. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this ends with like a velociraptor slash thing like locker room scene that I totally forgot about, which is dope. But yeah, yeah. I feel like Loris, she she plays into her innocence but not that innocent new person trope pretty well. And like, it's charming. So yeah. to have her like unravel at the end, I feel like is good. But again, there isn't a new girl in the breakfast club. So it's like, Hey, you know, that's how we know this odd person out. Dan is the Emilio Estevez type character. Who's a jock who wants to quit the team and get better grades and has a very unsupportive girlfriend, Delilah, yeah. who is like, no, you're an idiot be a job (laughs) stop playing against type you know yeah like she's like looking at the script you need to stay in your lane which makes sense that she is of the group the one that is infected you know yeah and i feel like she is conforming i would say josh harnett is the most memorable character of this movie oh yeah he's just such a weird mix on the bad boy Judd Nelson, where it's like he's just equal parts drug dealer, dropout guy, but also just convenient Jimmy Neutron on the side. and <laughs> gets like kind of sprinkled in. But I would say just kicking that off without going into supporting cast, because I know how much Chris loves John Stewart's eyeball Love in this him. movie. Uh, Love it. Who's your favorite? Uh, I would probably give it to josh arnett just for being so weird this being like the most quintessential i think josh hartnett being charming enough to get around in hollywood while not actually being a good actor sorry if you're a listener josh but 
I think I'm going to disagree. Him. I'm going to take hard offense to that. I think he's great in, okay. cer- in certain roles. Uh, this one in particular, I mean, this is like his first movie, I think. I think it's his first, yeah. This or Halloween H2O, which he's not great in. But in this one, like, you know, this is like a real character and he gives it, you know, Cody, as you said, he puts, you know, he puts some butter on it. Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I feel like he's basically just given the hair with the winglets and he just takes it from there. The hair is unforgivable, yeah. but... <laughs> Unforgettable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the character of Zeke definitely is the standout in terms of the kids but as far as you know, overall i think i just gotta give it to uh, <laughs> i either gotta give it to the weird Are you giving it to usher again <laughs> the, the the weird harry knowles cameo <laughs> who's oh, okay. like the ain't it cool <laughs> dude from ain't it cool who is just like randomly in the background and has like one line He's like a teacher just in yeah, like he's the a teacher. Yeah, the scene. Yeah. And when they're dude, trying to get more money for activity. This movie is full of super canceled people like Harry Knowles. <laughs> Harry Knowles. Danny Masterson. Danny Masterson's <laughs> yeah. in it. If you're canceled, you are a supporting cast person in this movie. I think Robert Patrick, because for me, obviously that guy is always gonna be the T one thousand. Anytime you see him, it's like, oh, it's the Terminator. But my other role for him is this movie. If you deleted T two from existence, he would be the coach from the faculty. Right. And there's and even a case that some people even remember him more from this movie because he's just basically doing the same thing except as a principal. Yeah. yeah. And showing, I was like, I was waiting in that opening scene when he like comes down the, the dark hallway, just like waiting for him to start that run with like the arms straight up. Yeah, I was, if they got I was through so that door, he's it. just got to stab his hand yeah. through the door. I'm like, you can't middle. stop him. He's coming. Talking about favorites, this movie does do a really good job of balancing its leads. I was going to say, I think this might be the best Jordana Brewster performance we've ever gotten. <laughs> oh. It's like, not fast. It's not furious. It's not fast. It's not furious. <laughs> she's not, she's not playing against any of those other ridiculous guys or characters in, in another set of movies that I love. But this is her like kind of actually chewing up a little bit of an actual character with some background. She's arguably of the people who get turned. She's the one that's like actually having to play that double role yeah. for the longest with yeah. any level of like our, the audience not knowing. Yeah. And that test scene is great where she surprises you. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, like there's Jordana Brewster where she's not Mia Toretto, just like walking into a scene being like family. There's the natural uh, Jordana Brewster with worms coming out of her face. Yeah, being like, Brian, don't go driving. Too soon. (laughs) We're also forgetting the other teal turn, Famke Jansen. (laughs) Yeah, as weird, horny teacher relationship. Totally inappropriate. Like nerdy teacher, yeah. (laughs) She goes, yeah, from nerdy to fuck you, Zeke, like you mama's boy. and To Xenia on a top all of a sudden. Oh, well, by the end, in a relationship with the student. (laughs) Yeah. There's so much about that ending montage that we will get to. The best part of this is just when you have a movie that's going to be about body snatchers where everybody's susceptible not that i don't think the thing is a perfect movie because it is but it's nice to have this added element of elijah wood can take the mantle for a couple scenes player duvall can take the mantle for a couple scenes josh hartnett can take the mantle so it's like at any point they could be your final girl you know and Mm -hmm. that's kind of how it plays out and i like that just because if you just were following josh hartnett and it was just like okay when's the nerd gonna buy it when's the you know so even though you kind of get your pecking order straight that like there's a top three and then a lesser three it's nice to just like oh okay i 
I'm actually genuinely suspicious if Elijah Wood's been playing us this whole time or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of expecting it sometimes from one of the uh, lighter, nerdier characters, and you get it from the new girl. Damn, damn new girl. But yeah, I, I don't know. How do you feel about the actual transmission and wateriness and all of that kind of jazz about the actual well i mean you know we start off the film with sort of this like slasher scene where the principal is killed and then we get these sort of hints about the the nature of this phenomenon that's happening like the teachers are all acting weird they're drinking a lot of water the scene i remember as a kid that really freaked me out where stands in the shower one of the teachers who's like older like the art teacher or something like is basically like melting behind him. And it's just such a weird, creepy scene. And like her hair falls out. Yeah. So that was like it's very nice... much a high school version of The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> Even if she wasn't melting, like a student and like some old teacher just like comes up to, you, just, you know, obviously yeah. creepy. So second best high school shower scene in a horror movie, except for the this the weird sadomasochistic whipping scene in friday the 13th part two <laughs> which is iconic yeah that's, that's definitely the, the number one uh, for another episode i wonder if this is a reference to that yeah but well, everything is really ultimately and then casey finds like a big yeah. sea monkey takes it to john stewart this is the part where I was like, oh, I kind of wish they worked a little harder on some of the practical effects. Yeah. At times it looks it's really rough. fun. And then at times, especially anytime they're just like, all right, it's fully lit CG. It's 1998. Yeah. We'll do the best we can. It, it <laughs> looks like it looks like the screensaver saver that you had at the same time. That was like the pipes that went through and turned. It was just like too glossy. Oof. And and then but, it's like, oh, now it has tendrils. I'm like, oh, that made it worse somehow. I don't know how, but now it looks worse. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, you know, it was early, even though Jurassic yeah. Park was a few years before this. It hadn't really trickled down. JP wasn't on a $15 million budget either. Things really take a turn when Delilah and like Casey's basically her lapdog and is like, oh, we need to like find a new scoop. So let's hang out in the tea or like find something in the teacher's lounge. And they are like. And that's Jordana and Elijah. You know. Yeah, yeah. And they're in the closet when the teachers come in. And the moment that always sticks out is that Casey takes a sniff of her hair, which has always creeped me out. Definitely an alien move. Unforgivable. Any sort of sniffing. Sniffing is never attractive or is in any way like... At the end of the movie, when he does save the world, I can buy them getting together, sure, but the sniff is unforgivable for me. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like we'll vote, we'll vote for you and not Donald Trump, but like, yeah, stop sniffing women, please. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, he, you know, he takes the opportunity to sniff, but then they witness uh, Salma Hayek being infected by T one thousand Robert T one thousand Robert Patrick. Which can I can I do the thing that I've been waiting to say about oh, yeah. him being in this movie? Why? What's going on? <laughs> First of all, with him being in the movie, obviously he's T one thousand. And then they named John Stewart's character Edward Furlong. I yeah. <laughs> he's the actor from John Connor in that movie. What's the scoop? You know, like what's the deal? I don't know. My my favorite thing about the John Stewart character is that 
for me, this is a movie that just happened to be on all the time. And I'm, I'm, I've said this about a lot of the movies that like we've done already, but I really felt like this was another one that just like had a lot of syndication uh, throughout the years when I was growing up. So I've seen yeah. it a lot of times. But because and they of always that, play the uh, another brick in the wall part two cover just like, <laughs> on every like it's coming up. Well, did you guys did you guys stick around for the credits at the end? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, because for, I never saw the credits because when I was watching on TV, they would always like zip by it. Oh and, like, yeah, it would never be a thing. So a few years ago, when I like streamed this for the first time, I like saw the credits and was like, oh my god, John Stewart is alive. And they just gave him an eye patch. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I felt so, like, happy about it. I like, mean, they cut off Funky Jensen's head and gave her a scarf. So <laughs> yeah. I think everybody's good. It's, but it's like, also weirdly strange that, like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, now I'm just dating this, like, once-possessed worm human. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's never clear, like, how much it sh- the aliens change their biology or, I mean, it seems that it completely alters the biology, but after the aliens die, everything's fine. So, like, yeah, even though Funko Jansen was decapitated <laughs> straight up and, like, was able to reattach her head, like, I guess That's it's an okay. octopus thing. <laughs> I um, like that in a, in a transformation, whether it's a vampire thing. You know, it's always fun to have, you know, right. if, you, if you kill Count Dracula, everybody's going to be chill. You know, it's just right. with the this one, mind. when you have as much body mutilation going on and you just like get a scarf on there get, you know i think that plays into the to its strengths which another movie would it would be i mean it it, it kind of leads into a bigger point that at the end where these characters want to change or play against their archetype but they're actually they're just becoming a bit of the thing they hate like they they almost become what the aliens want to make them become anyways they're they're just playing against type because they think that that other one is a cool one, but they either had it inside them along the whole time or they just need to like change their outfits and outlook and that it, the cycle just starts over again. It's just like, I find it kind of like hilariously dark at the end. Yeah. They, they, they beat the conformist pod by learning to conform better as a team. It was just ahead of the curve in terms of cultural understanding and, faculty is just uh equal parts very very trodden ground but then also like i think the edits they make to the tropes are pretty progressive and especially just the female lens of it and i i think that there's a nice twist of expectation around like outside of robert patrick's like really hyper machismo angle he doesn't really actually get anywhere with that and i think the more successful elements of that are you know just playing into the actual person behind it all who's successful at not being obvious is you know someone who's a smart competent at least female form and kind of the people that she partners with is kind of a i I don't know i feel like robert patrick's kind of the red herring the whole time yeah where it's like how many people does he actually turn i mean there's like whole shots of him just like in the football field with the sprinklers on looking insane yeah it's like you just go stand out there and draw attention to yourself while i actually do the planning but yeah, I like I like that. And I, I'd say the one scene that really does stand out to me and freaked me out as a kid was the the football scene, which is probably his best uh, his best kill count in terms of spreading and probably the most obvious thing ever where you just get dog piles and you're stuffing people's faces. But I liked that just in terms of it being like the one middle scene where it's like, I have no idea who in this scene is is who and yeah. like neither do they. And it's just this crisis point where 
there is a believability of like, okay, uh, what the fuck do I do with this situation now? You know, if, if it weren't track down the queen, kill the queen, and that'll solve everything. That's just an impossible situation. And I liked yeah. that sense of tension where it's just like, we just got to get the fuck out of here and do some drugs. Cause like, <laughs> I have no idea how to deal with it. And that scene is just like beautiful too, with the fireworks going off in the background. Look awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a deservedly stylized fun scene. I think for sure. It's one thing to run away from a monster, but this is something that is a fundamentally changing the world around you. How do you fight that? Especially cause they're high schoolers, which I think, like we're not adults. Like what? Do, what do, you know? And yeah. adults have a certain agency well, that, as we know, watching this during a global pandemic, adults don't have much agency. <laughs> and if something does actually want to spread this easily, it could. Yeah, so Selma Selma Hayek comes sick as the school nurse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I think is a good kind of litmus test for how they're going to manage. That. I mean, yeah. Also, just uh, there's some there's definitely some pot shots at uh, you know the school system of like. Oh, we could spend money on uh, the football team, but we can't, you know, spend money on the field trip or like anything for the education. Yeah. And then they got fireworks going on. We don't need no education. <laughs> yeah. Don't we need don't it. need no thought control. Come on. I mean, speaking of that, the soundtrack is pretty awesome to this movie. It's pretty ridiculous. I don't know if you guys checked it out. It's like, kind of like one of those like 10 things I hate about you soundtracks. It's just like yeah. a perfect time capsule of everything. <laughs> like, like it is not like going from you know, a, a cover of Pink Floyd and then you've got Offspring. Yeah, Offspring. Creed, Degeneration, Soul Asylum, like Sheryl Crow, Nerve, Oasis. Like yeah, just, oh yeah, Oasis shows up. You're just like, wow. And I mean, they use it. Garbage I feel like, to is the, in there. Yeah, they use it to the fullest, like in, in some needle drops that it just put a smile on my face, especially coming into that football scene when they do have a, you know, wannabe nine inch nails cover of another brick in the wall <laughs> i always appreciate 1998 to about 2001 when like the coolest thing you could play to set up a teen situation was a band like the offspring or some other pop punk band <laughs> where it's just like you know what's cool just songs that are all the same song about parents not understanding <laughs> with yeah. the steely guitar but uh it it works perfectly in this. Like I I I completely believe everything. Yeah, that early two thousand suburban drama of pop punk. This is gonna be like a, a larger point, and it's kind of like maybe too abstract. But is <laughs> the faculty America's finest film? Vote now on your phones. <laughs> I mean, did did Laura Harris deserve her Teen Choice Award for most disgusting scene? I don't know. She was uh, only nominated. She should yeah. have won. I think. Who'd she lose to? Oh, we'll have to find that out. Uh, Jamie, while you make your point, we're going to be completely not listening. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Jamie. Make the deep point you want to. I think about this movie and like the sort of the impact it had amongst people that were roughly our age. Probably a lot of people from our generation are remember this movie coming out, probably remember the trailers for it, remember sort of the hype around movies like this. And it kind of gives me a little bit of sadness that movies like this like just don't have the same power that they used to. Yeah, I mean, like they movies get, in they general, get lost on streaming. Somewhere. Yeah, they just like movies in general kind of have their impact is lessened with the sort of like battle that's been happening with all the streaming services. It's hard to get these made. Yeah, it's hard to get them made. And it's also like it's sad that like they almost just don't have the same sort of like impact. Not that this is like, you know, an earth shattering movie, but like it felt like this movie's just had so much more like relevance in the sense yeah. that like even a silly sci-fi teen high school movie felt like 
it was like everywhere and like the fact that you would see it a lot and i wonder like how many people i guess like gen zers now would like even like know about the faculty or even like know who josh hartnett is <laughs> you'd be yeah. like oh the guy in uh you know what's that penny dreadful <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, that's but, what uh, they, 2024 i mean unfortunately <laughs> though right. if you did ask kids they may still know what 1999 teen choice awards most disgusting scene was which <laughs> The faculty I lost. Up. I looked The faculty up. lost to Cameron Diaz in "There's Something About Mary," which was uh, definitely an award created for that scene. Yeah, <laughs> and then they just had to find four other nominees. But looking at that same year, it's crazy. You've got you got Idle Hands. You've got I. I still know what you did last summer. Like you have a bunch of these kind of like fun movies coming out. Cruel Intentions oh, wow. and and things Idle that hands. just like yeah, honorary things, mention. <laughs> yeah, things that just aren't. No one's gonna put up whatever eight to 15 million dollars to make those anymore it feels like this would be yeah like a series if it was made today yeah it this would, would be on, a would much easier time long. on on netflix being like every episode maybe you'd find out about one transformation and it would yeah. just be very serialized i mean but. i just i just feel like it would go on way too long if you did that this but is also, a zippy movie like this really escalates quickly <laughs> so but this, i mean this is a crazy you got sleepy hollow you got deep blue sea you got Lake Placid, like people were just printing money to make movies this year. <laughs> yeah. It was the Clinton years, man. The economy was booming. Yeah, man. Triangulation, baby. Like, hey, let's make some like kind of mid like low to mid range horror. Why not? Within the next year, like we're gonna come out with Rushmore, we're gonna come out with Phantom Menace. Like who gives <laughs> I a I mean, shit? I wonder though, this is also the same year Blair Witch came out and did that just crush everything afterwards because of it. I, this All feels like a, the, the tail end of Yeah. Because the uh, like, producer now is like, wait, for $100,000 and a mini DV camera, I can make $200 million? Like, I think horror trends are more visibly seen. And, you know, this was like the tail end of this, like, really specific sort of, like, teen kind of, like, yeah. self-aware type of movie. And then, yeah, like Blair Witch comes along. It kind of changes the game for a lot of things. Yeah, they're just um, like, oh, we'll do the same structure, but we'll do it in this like first first year philosophy postmodern way. And then yeah, and just be deconstructionist about like two or three things. And then they're like, oh, well, we can just do a completely new technical revolution and come up with new ideas. And, you know. That just got old much faster than everybody thought. <laughs> well, and then you have like in the next couple of years, you have Saw come out and you have like everything. You just it, it just keeps dropping the budget so low. Everyone's trying to find that cheap hit where no one's going to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll fork up five to ten million dollars to make a mid range horror movie. Anyway. Well, that's when Blumhouse comes along. Jason Blum is that's like, the, yo, that's, well, that's the where third we are now. wave in this. Yeah. Where it's like, OK, maybe now I give you ten million dollars and you can craft something a little better and make a conjuring now you know yeah but yeah, yeah. that's probably more expensive I, obviously i will yeah. say though jumping way back into the end of the movie i had those types of bleachers in high school and they do not move that quickly <laughs> i was super afraid of that being like <laughs> but those were that at yeah. stake at all times <laughs> like, like oh my god it is I like an indiana pl- jones death trap. yeah yeah that that is very much like the quicksand of high school like do it, the bleachers move that quick will i never make it out is that the gross scene competing? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what was the no. scene. It, or is it when she transforms? It's got to be something about her as the monster. Yeah. When she has like a big tentacle arm. Well, she gets smushed. 
Yeah, I'm wonder. I'm wondering if it's if it's smushed or if it when she just like transforms in the in the gym. Yeah, because that's just a dumb CGI looking thing, you know. The practical smush. That's where you get. The, that's where the Teen Choice Award scouts are looking. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this movie's pretty violent too. I'm kind of surprised about it, how much it's blood. It's the scene of student Laura Harris's monster takes to the pool. The oh, faculty. that's a great visual. Yeah, I liked that. It's yeah, very, that was good. That and it follows. You know, just but stay you know, out it, of lo- the it lost out to pool. Cameron Diaz's. Cameron Diaz discovers a great all new natural hair gel. Okay, some copywriter over at Nick needs to get, you know, their their past needs to catch up with them tonight. I, I, it was it had a tough competition. You know, Henry Winkler dines on alligators' eyes and snakeheads from the Water Boy. It's a tough. What one. happened in Idle Hands? Uh, Devin Sawa discovers his cat licking his mother's eyeballs. That's the one. Eyeballs, big year. Yeah, we we've moved on now. This is a Teen Choice Awards disgusting podcast. Idle Hands. <laughs> all these movies are the same movie. You know, like we got we got. I still know what you did last summer. That's might might as well be a Kevin Williamson movie. Still, you know, Idle yep. Hands. No, that is, is a Kevin Williamson movie. I mean, I'm sure he produced. He probably didn't write the sequel because he was too busy fucking facultying it up. Yeah, it was written by some other guy. Oh yeah, the, the sequel to I or I still know. I still. Oh, Oh, okay. Sorry. Let's see. Let's see what his contribution was. With I always will know, or I'll always know what you did last summer. He's not involved. Um, Is there another one after that? I still. I think that's when it just became a. I know it's getting a reboot. But then they turned it into basically urban legend. Mm. Yeah, I got to do more research on the summer verse here, guys. You know that movie does not hold up. Urban legend. Oh man, that was. I watched that this past Halloween, and I was not very pleased with that yeah i gotta I don't think it more really on the uh, all, to be honest but i just really did not like it jamie what what makes the faculty halloween though what makes the faculty halloween i think if you just throw any high school kids in a supernatural event it kind of already has a halloween thing the pieces are there the chemicals are there the, for the concoction that you can put into a pen oh <laughs> snort baby. it up your nose and what's the line Tweaking, he's like, let him tweak. No, what's when he stabs it? Oh, he's like, you wouldn't like it here anyway. (laughs) No, what was that line, Chris? Tell me the line. What does he say? Give it to us, Chris. Guaranteed to jack you You up. up. Yes, (laughs) that's the that's the subtitle of this episode for sure. Um, I, this takes us to our weekly uh, daily segment that I contribute to, which is uh, jack-o'-lantern count, and in the, which I'm glad I'm introducing this time because I think the answer is none. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I think, like the high school. Because it came out in Christmas. It's fall. Yeah. It's a fall. It's, it's the fall. Uh, yeah, like season. the homecoming game vibe plays yes. into a very fall high school atmosphere and then you know especially as east coasters yeah it it screamed to me homecoming kids in a basement talking about spooky stuff you know yeah it's in ohio which apparently is its own trope like we've there's been like three movies that are just like it could happen anywhere if it could happen in ohio it could happen anywhere i mean it's always been ohio yeah (laughs) it's all it's all ohio that's basically the whole point of the the body snatchers they just want to make everything ohio yeah i feel like that's also just the kids having to be suspicious of adults and the greater like structures of their lives being called into question for like one 
crazy fantastical period of time, mostly at night, that's Halloween, you know? So like when I think about that, you know, like they're literally locked in their school with their coach and principal and classmates knocking the doors in at the end, trying to get them out. That is the ultimate kind of feeling that's evocative of one mischiefy kind of night where you can get away <laughs> with uh, feeling like not everything that you've known to trust can be solidified as a as a child or something like that. So you're going to have to cut off the head of your uh, teacher slash romantic partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It qualifies. It's in the yes column. Jamie, this isn't just for you. You know, it doesn't take a pumpkin head to get on this list. It, it's much like The Breakfast Club. There's something in this movie for everyone. Whatever click you're a part of, this movie speaks to you. <laughs> name a click. Name a click. I'll, we'll make an argument. You know, if you're a nerd, you're like, oh, like if I just cut back on the sniffing and, you know, maybe fight a few alien queens, I can, you know, be popular and well, that's another thing is at the end, he's on the front of the paper saying saves the world from yes, the alien invasion. I did like that where it's like there's no cover up. It's like, well, I mean, it happened. So what's going on? Do we think that everybody remembers everything? I was going to say if John Stewart woke up and is like, I am missing all my fingers on my left hand yeah, and I am yeah, blind my in eye. one eye. And then I mean, does Elijah Wood base and Josh Hartnett, I guess, have to just explain this to a town? To be like, hey, listen, yeah, like for that two days you don't remember, let me tell you what happened, you know, because that's that's tough. I don't know. I mean, if that's it seems specified. like people have some memory, right? It, it is it is very convenient the way the slugs come out of you and don't leave. I think they got. Scars. I think they got like they remember getting attacked, so it'd be like, oh yeah, I saw a fucking slug monster come at me, and then I woke up two days later. I'll believe anything, you know. But yeah. although, and the way they're like maybe curing people, it's like, well, I remember getting attacked, and then I remember sniffing a drug from a pen, and I felt better. <laughs> That's so it. I don't know what the the, if there's one on. message of this movie. It's not about conforming. It's a, it's just it's about like, doing drugs. Hey, well, man, just sniffing sniffing the drug doesn't make the person better if they're possessed and the mother or the queen is still alive. It just kills them. I think. Right? Didn't that happen? What like uh, unclear? Unclear. Yeah. They never really like, tested it. Because like, well, like, John Stewart Stewart's, is the only is, like, example on the ground like with like milk coming out of his eye. And they just didn't address like what that means for him until he woke up after. Well, but... I thought he was dead for 20 years until I saw it on Netflix. <laughs> you know, you're and like, then I, I like kind of so saw calm. the plot hole. No, I'm serious. Like, my jaw dropped and I jumped up and down. I was like, John Stewart's alive. Call the president. Call the Mr. president. Mr. Furlong's alive. Edward Furlong is here to stay. Uh, well, yeah, you know, I feel like that just has to take us to the the closing it out montage, Jamie, because that's that's where you're really excited to talk about some, some nice, neat fix it ups. Stan and Stokely are together. She's basically she, it's the complete Ali. The, like, the pairings are complete. I've dropped the basket case and I'm wearing a floral dress and gotten rid of my eyeliner. And now I'm not a lesbian. Yeah, like, that's an interesting her being a fake lesbian. Is very 1998 because it's just yeah. progressive and, enough. And she's also goth. And she's yeah. also played by an actual lesbian, which is right. Worse. But it's like just progressive enough to be included, but then regressive and offensive enough to be like, oh, but I wouldn't actually be lesbian. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's like, it's kind of uh, gross. Up. Yeah. And so that's like a problem. Well, that's the thing is that like it kind of like they kind of circle back and despite fighting against the aliens, they just become wound up in the system. Like 
like Zeke joins the football team for some reason, despite smoking a cig on the side, but also heavily implied to be dating his teacher. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. The American dream question mark of, of like, that's my boy fame. I don't know. You know. And then, of course, Casey and Delilah, like getting together and being a happy couple, which is, of course, then bookend by Casey Elijah Wood saying, I guess things have really changed around here. And then you see like some other kid get the nuts in the flagpole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, they just kind of become part of the, the circle is complete. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like they didn't grow. They just sidestepped. Yeah, they just had to be outsiders as long as there's an alien threat. And then they, by being outsiders, realize like, you know what? Conforming would be dope because then we wouldn't have to solve all these problems. You know, if Morpheus just, woke them up for the Matrix, they would all go cypher. Blue pill all the way. On they, are, they are blue pilling. I feel like there's no other way to end this movie so that these characters have arcs because that's the problem. They exist in a good way to combat this threat. So that's the reason the movie exists. And then they combat the threat. But that movie would just say, OK, we can just pair them off and they're the same people. But then Kevin Williamson's like, but then I didn't add character development. That's a problem. They would just have addressed it by the means of their archetypes. So I'll just make them all swap. because then it will seem like I wrote a character and I'm saying to him, like, I don't care about that. I'm fine with them not learning anything other than the fact that they should be comfortable with their alienation, you know, of, of just feeling like, Oh, I learned that me being a half dropout, half genius was exactly what the world needed. So I'm going to be comfortable in that rather than like, Oh, if I learned one thing, it's that, I should have been on the football team the whole time. What? Yeah, that's not the lesson I got, you know? I think it's intentional, though. I think it's definitely intentional with Oak Fun. And, like, like oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, there is like there is a sense of they could have done that path. We're almost like criticizing it when it's very intentionally, like knowingly being like. It's tongue we, in cheek about it. it yeah, but it's like being like, oh, yeah, we, we know that it would make more sense and maybe be like a more progressive stance to have them maintain their characters, but it's a darkly cynical take to be like, oh, actually they're just shifting roles and maintaining. They exited one level of the matrix and they're just in the second one. Yeah, it's tough when yeah. it's like, it's it's counterpoints at the same time. That's the way that you win in that movie too, by becoming popular. <laughs> so it's like, it would be hard to be missed in the time of like, oh yeah, well they became popular and cool and they got the girl. That's the lesson. It's like that dark cynical vibe takes a level of like, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess, I guess that is bad, you know, but yeah. And would those have just been the same exact characters they would have become if they just let the aliens take over? Exactly. We all just would have had a much less soiled gym pool <laughs> bleachers you know as clearly you could see once the aliens took over they learned how to reinvest their finances into you know other properties on the school they changed the budget they defunded the football team yeah i'm just saying team laura harris you know she she was coming in it's like you know it all comes back to rick and morty episodes of riffing on these things they make a good argument for why that you should just become a hive mind you know it's just easier that way i mean you can get your head cut off and then it becomes a cool octopus thing i'm just saying i'm just saying if she gets hurt now if if john stewart cuts off his other finger maybe we find some latent effects still can grow back or whatever you know good for him but i i do have to say that this was probably my most enjoyed rewatch of the seven so far 
that I just was so pleased that the mood that I felt watching this probably felt like it was edgier growing up, of course, but just the mood of it just having a really distilled, fun point of view that was going to just take you on a very specific ride with very specific off-the-beaten-path archetypes. Good performances backing him up. Like, I still felt that way, except for Usher. Yeah. Like, the only thing yeah. that changed in my perception <laughs> is like, oh, it's cool Usher was in there. Watch that. Different point of view on that. Everything else held up. I, I definitely agree. I I had higher hopes and like more expectations going into Sleepy Hollow, which it then lived up to and I had a great time. But this one, I had lower expectations and then it, it you know, succeeded to go above and beyond those and just had a ton of fun watching it. And I felt like I was back in high school and this was the type of movie I would go with a couple of friends to the theaters to go see where it's not really that scary. It's not that heady, but in your teenage mind, you're like, this means everything. Like, <laughs> duh. This is exactly what we're going through. I, I don't fully love Pink Floyd yet because I haven't gotten to my sophomore year of college, but like I like this cover a lot. I, I can't wait till Napster's invented so I can tell. <laughs> well, shall we uh, tease tomorrow's episode? It's going to be an interesting one. You know, I feel like we're going to drop a line and see if we get any bites. I have a, uh, a short line here from British poet W.H. Auden. Who oh, said, man. Oh, wow. Then had it's it. like, uh, yeah, he what said, is this, a uh, funeral? <laughs> similar. Thousands have lived without love, not one without water. Ah. Uh, guess remember that scene from Four Wings and a Funeral? It's really sad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm taking that bait. Good- I'm excited. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> getting, some, getting some bait for number eight. Bada bop, bada bop. We're entering week two. Week two of this podcast. I know. I know. It's uh, we've we've the leaves are changing. Yeah, yeah. They're falling. They're on the ground. Getting the tone definitely shifts a bit. Glad you guys found this renewed joy from revisiting this film. Yeah, which Jamie watches most days. (laughs) (laughs) It's. I mean, it's it's certainly an October classic. It's a staple for me. What's your birthday? November fourteenth. Okay, uh, that's perfect timing for this. Jamie, take off your headphones. Chris, I'm going to get him a signed Josh Harnett photo. I'm sure I can track that. That's now. amazing. Yeah. yeah. All right. It can't... Put him back on, Jamie. There you go. Okay, well, that's one for you, dear listener. But uh, hopefully <laughs> Jamie didn't hear that. But I didn't hear it. I didn't hear we'll it. We'll see. Oh, Jamie doesn't get to edit the faculty. You, Chris guys, wrote, is... you guys wrote the faculty too. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, we talked to Kevin. He's in. He's in. Nice, nice. All right. Well, I feel like that's, uh, you know, school's out, but we're ready for for number eight. So Chris is going to take the charge on the next one. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, see you tomorrow. Looking forward to it.